I won more premierships alone than the other he 19 managers. He has created an absolute Boys, we are here to rant. James, we have to do justice before we just slide right into the top four. I didn't want to get off track. This, this is one of the best title races of all time. Good afternoon, and Patrick. You're in a really heated race to finish in the top four. And you trot out a B team. What do they need? What on earth? I don't have an option. I'm talking World Wow. Welcome. Welcome. To Prem de la Prem. Welcome back to Prem de la Prem. Today is September 23rd, Wednesday. The grass is cut. The players are fit. The preseason's over. Patrick, a new season is upon us. And I, for one, am thrilled to kick off. Match week one. Let's get it going. Match week two for some teams, but yeah, match week one for one a couple near and dear to your heart. Hmm, that's weird. I thought we were in a preseason, just getting all warmed up. Oh yeah, no. Usually, usually you guys start that off in uh, you know Australia or the states or somewhere like that. But no, we're we're in the we're in the mix. That that Crystal Palace game counted. So you're telling me that Crystal Palace was our Singapore preseason tour in Asia. And it counted yeah. for points. Yeah, but it counted for points in the Premier League. Yeah, so I don't know how you usually do on do on those tours, but if it yeah, takes it's showing teams, up. A, yeah. It's showing up as zero points right now. I, I kept I kept refreshing. Mm. Yeah, no, that's right. Hmm. Hmm. Well, folks, you're not listening to the wrong episode. It's just diluted James season. That's right. That's the level we're on. We have some headlines that we'll get into, which is a continuation sequel of premature prognostications. We were liking headlines, so we're going to bring that back. And first and foremost, before we get into that, Patrick, uh, you debuted a new segment this past weekend called Trash Watch. Do you want to give a little recap for the, for the people who weren't able to tune in on Instagram, how that went? Yeah, so I was watching Mason Mount, Trash Watch, as I call it. Um, let me put it this way. I, I think he's. I think he's... He's closer to being out of the bin than he is in right now for me. Uh, he was, I thought, one of Chelsea's best players on the day. They were horrible, so I don't, I can't take him out of the, the garbage. Mm. Um, and like mm. the good thing about him was that he, you know, I guess tried to move forward a little bit. Um, so yeah, I want to watch get- another game. He was getting a lot of shtick on social. I thought that whole team was dead, especially after the red card. Right, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was. It was it w- was not an impressive Chelsea performance, which I'm sure we'll get into. We will 100% get into it. Trash watch. I'm sure it'll come back uh, as the weeks go on. We're fine-tuning it. We started at it adding minute markers for context just about halfway through. So forward progress, all things considered. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. No, he he was. I'm 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 taking an honest, an earnest approach to this to this segment, James, and I hope that I come out of it. One, a better man, but also knowing, you know, definitively whether or not better Mason father. Mount is is trash. Well, <laughs> yeah, I hope I hope so. Um, I, don't, I can't apply those skills yet, but yeah, I hope, I, hope I become a better a better father through this segment. Sure, sure. Uh, all right. Well, why don't you go ahead and kick off headlines? I've got three. Um, one of which is a Trojan horse for a rant. <laughs> we will okay. get there. We will get there. I just wanted to be upfront. Uh, but why don't you kick us off so we don't have to go right into it? Okay, I will keep this going with the Chelsea theme for my first headline. Fantastic. Kappa! The only keeper's call that sends defenders into a panic drives Lampard to amend his team sheet. <laughs> you like that one? Let's pick the bones out of this one. 
you're you're presuming in this Keppa yells his own name when he goes to collect the ball in the box. I think it can. I'm, I'm sure he's yelling <laughs> keeper, but I'm gonna like every time he yells it. I just thought of that. I was like, he's probably yelling. He's like he's basically yelling his name. That's what he yelled to Sorry when he wanted to stay on the pitch. Just interesting. Absolute interesting. power tactic. Just yell your name as loudly as possible. Do you think that was the beginning of the end for him, confidence-wise? Maybe mentally. I also yeah. don't think he was ever good. I remember being scared of him when he came to the Premier League. I remember like right. not knowing who the hell he was and why he cost $80 million. And then thinking he's got to be good because he got bought for that much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's woefully out of confidence. I, I, feel, I feel bad. It's hard to watch a goalkeeper out of confidence. It gets, yeah. Yeah, it gets hard to watch. I think you were saying this last week. The keeper rides, lives and dies by their confidence, and it is the hardest to watch when they're struggling. Uh, you know, more so than a defender, more so than a striker who can't hit the back of the net. It is like watching the Titanic go down, and and that is right. Kepo right now. So, yeah. you know, they got in this new keeper. I did a little background research on him. He looks not a panic buy, but let's say he's not the fresh fish on a Saturday market. He is... Uh, no. You know, coming out of the Farmers League, um, plow in hand. I think that we learned that there actually is a limit to how much Chelsea will spend in a single transfer window. I didn't think there was, uh, but by going with Mendy and not in uh, Oblak or uh, Onana, who I think they were both linked with, whether oh, it's just nah, fans nah. spinning spinning the wheels or not, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a decent. I mean, if you look at it for the money. Yeah, it's a decent buy. It's definitely in position of need, clearly. Uh, so it, it affects your whole team when he's when he's down like that. I, right. You you said you were going to do a Liverpool one, so I, I guess we can kind of save that. Oh, part I don't have a Liverpool one. We can just oh, talk about the game. No, no. Oh yeah, okay the then. Game. Um, a, a bit of a gift, wasn't it? It was like Liver- Chelsea beat themselves before Liverpool beat them. Right, and I think that for the for, for all of it, the first half was relatively uneventful. Which for from a Chelsea perspective, you have to say that's you know, job done, you know, going, you know, a, a relatively under control first half with any, you know, lack of fanfare, not really too many opportunities. And then mm-hmm. a red card that I think was a just one to give, not one that I think Christensen needed to do. And yeah, I really just unraveled the game from there, especially with the second goal is just, you're never, you're never coming back from that. It was pretty much a, a done deal at that point. Sure. I don't think, yeah, Liverpool didn't look overly convincing. Thiago was really good. Liverpool going to their first uh, yeah. r- you, real test then uh, next week. Oh yeah, we'll or see. They've, yeah, they've they've lost mm-hmm. uh, they've lost the last two games they played. The unstoppable the, force meets the, the mighty Arsenal. object. Yeah, both going well, in undefeated. We did that last year, and then let's just say for match weeks three to thirty eight, we took different paths. So I'm hoping for something <laughs> different this year. Yeah. Your destiny was knocked off course ever since. Yeah, some some say that that game determined the entire fate of the league. So mm-hmm. maybe this year mm-hmm. things will go go different. But no, I thought I think Liverpool will catch their stride. Uh, the class of uh, of that front three is there. Thiago is again. I think he's unbelievable. Uh, oh, the yeah. defense is is shaky though. You know they're there for the taking. I thought Chelsea on you know if Timo Werner could pick his head up on their day. Yeah, High Havertz got involved. Some of those new signings were playing. You know, maybe they get 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 some points, but sure. Well, there's the a lot of those uh, settling into the Premier League on the first day memes going around. Um, mm. Isn't isn't for mm. everyone. Ever since Bruno 
came in in January, and Tiago is one of those prime examples where he came on for a substitute appearance. It was almost a dead game, but he just looked extremely com- comfortable and confident on the ball. Um, whereas Chelsea, you know, Werner, no doubts he's going to be amazing, and you know, there's flickers of it, but he's just adjusting. You see that adjustment to the Premier League happening on a game to game basis. Two games in now, um, but he did earn that penalty. So. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's also hard to judge Chelsea in general right now, so I think it's we have to we it's have to weird. put this one on ice and, and yeah. come back to it. You can't make any judgments. But Patrick, are you ready for my first one? Sure. Okay. Not even Deli Alley's brother could find the field, while Paul Scholes' brother Harry Kane says that's my son en route to four assists and four goal night against the Saints. Okay. Um. All right. Wait, walk me through the Paul, Paul Scholes thing. Uh, Harry Kane had four assists, and he was just pinging him from midfield. He dropped oh, in He dropped in okay. deep like a Rooney roll. So he assisted uh, Son yeah, yeah, four yeah. times. Okay. I was just trying to draw the link from uh, Scholes to, to Kane. Uh-huh. Thought there might have been related there for a minute, but yeah, I'm with you. No, no, uh, when, yeah. this, when this brain goes, um, yeah, I, I think you see all the diagonal lines I draw in my head just in the space it's, of a sentence for this It's segment. tough to keep up with, with all of them. You're just working on such a wavelength. Uh, what, <laughs> I mean, what, a, what a bounce back performance by them. Uh, I think Son scored the same goal four times. When I was watching the highlights, I kept rewinding, trying to figure yeah. out all the different goals, but it turns yeah. out they were just the same ones. Oh, completely. Completely. It was like FIFA on a glitch. Yeah. Uh, all left-footed. Were they? Okay. That's mm-hmm. funny. Mm-hmm. Weak foot. Um, so, Patrick, I have absolutely no feel for Spurs right now. Absolutely none. I, I don't know if they're shit, you know, ma- uh, judging match week one. I don't know if they're going to be world beaters judging match week two. Not to mention Reguillon Reg- and uh, Bale were not in the team. Mm-hmm. You know, this was even before they came in. I, I need you to tell me. What are we looking at this season with Spurs? Where are they going to end up? Because I have absolutely no clue. Well, it seems like they're not done yet either in the transfer window, which is not really... Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what's what's happening, but I'm seeing... I'm still seeing more rumors that they're 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 in for, for folks. I don't know who they're in for, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem like they're done. Uh, and even if they aren't done, you know, even if they are done, rather... Uh, I think they've had a pretty good window altogether between, you know, getting two mm-hmm. outside backs. Uh, you know, even if you go back to last, I guess, was the, the winter window, uh, getting Bergewine in, adding, well, um, you know, Patrick, Bale as well. You're sorting out the wings. Let's Deli bring it Alley back out, to... Addition by subtraction. Yeah, yeah Delhi out. Exactly, exactly. The team's getting better just there. I also saw they were in for Lingard uh, as a replacement for Delhi, which I think just made my brain disintegrate. I That is not a sentence that should exist. I mean, I think they're... Is that they, like a how high do you rate Lingard or high, how low do you rate Ali in that statement? I think Ali's better, but I don't think either of them are... It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Chalked up to what they're supposed to be. Yeah, I wouldn't bring in... Yeah, I mean, Lingard seems like he could be a... Maybe maybe Mourinho liked Lingard. He played him a lot when he was there. Maybe they got a relationship. Mm. That could be it. Mm. Yeah, well, what I was going to say was bring it back before even the January window and what they're doing in this window. Last summer's window, Patrick, Tangi and Dombele looks a player. I don't know if it's like he's just been in a weird first season slump. It was just It was just one game against... Southampton, but he was my man of the match in a in a weird way when 
Eric, maybe like the uh, the 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 commoners man of the match because Son scored four goals, Harry Kane had four assists and a goal, so he's like my uh, my third star if it were a hockey game. But he was dictating oh, yeah. the midfield in a way they haven't seen since Erickson. Yeah, no, he was he was fantastic. I think it was the, probably the first time that I've seen him and you know, I guess seen the potential in him. I just, it, I don't know if something clicked, like you said. Mm-hmm. I want to see a lot more of him. Uh, I thought they were due for a bounce back game. I think this is more of who they are. And it is, you know, for all of it, it's second year Mourinho. You know, there's, he's been able to get results historically in the, in this year. And, and yeah. maybe losing that game, that first game, and, you know, having absolutely no energy is a, is a good thing for them in the long run. And, you know, I don't want to say it was the, the, you know the catalyst to get those transfers in, and then for them to you know play better. We'll obviously have to see how this pans out. Uh, but they're 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 a quality team. They're bringing in quality players. It is still Southampton, Southampton. So you know I don't want to crown them yet, but I, I I think they're I think they're certainly a threat to for for the Champions yeah. League. I, I think that we know enough about their history and the quality mm-hmm. to know that. And just like that, it's premature prognostications. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, why don't we snake draft? Because this next one is is looking me right in the face and says, James, read what you wrote down without really thinking about it. Okay. So, Let's do I'm it. I'm going to go for it. This is Man City. Oh, boy. Uh, grammar. With more pep in his step, comma, Guardiola composes a tactical masterclass against Wolves, selects a team comprised of his best 11 with four natural defenders, five midfielders, and a striker. Okay. So that's like boring James Milner is now gotten into reporting. I like it. I yeah, like it. It's it's like Statman Dave, and it's also just a dig at Guardiola getting good results out of just picking his best team on paper and letting it fly. Oh, a hundred percent. Did they look? What what do you? How much better do you think they looked? We've only have one game, obviously, to judge them on. But it was against Wolves. How much better do you think that they look now, looking forward to this season versus? Kind of their maybe not their form to the end of last season, but their last season as a whole. I I'm trying to remember who's on their injury reserves. Aguero is the obvious one, but I was looking at their depth, Patrick, and we were you know singing their praises about having the deepest bench in the league. Their bench was comprised of Mares, uh, I believe Bernardo Silva, and uh, and then youngsters and Otamendi. And Zach Steffen, backup U.S. goalkeeper. So okay. that was what threw me off, that their their team didn't seem very deep. But the counterpoint to that is they had a team, a best 11 of absolute studs on the field. Phil Foden, obviously, not notching a goal and continuing his progress. Um, and Gabriel Jesus, I think, was raising a few eyebrows, but he was able to get on the score sheet. And then, obviously, KDB doing KDB shit. So... If you can control a game against Wolves where you go up 2-0, survive a late fight back at their park, you're doing you're doing something good. Yeah, I mean they were they were they were clean. I think uh wasn't uh Fernand Torres is also on that that bench there for them. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was um, it was Torres not uh Bernardo Silva. Yeah, Gundogan is also out for them right now. I still think that they need a third back. I know they're I know they're kind of in for Koulibaly, yeah, you don't want to have Otamendi there as your your rotational. But I guess Laporte's got to be around there somewhere. I think they still have Laporte and Cancelo. Were their two center backs, and then Walker Stones was their and... center back. Stones Ooh. played. Who was uh? Where, where was Laporte? I don't know. I figured what? he was on the bench. Yikes! 
Maybe he's hurt. Let's get Kate on the line. Mm-hmm. Well, I felt what they did, which was they, they commented on the broadcast, so I can't claim some kind of analytical genius here, though though I will. Uh, what they did in the I respect you for saying so. In the in the center back, you said that the novel idea of playing four natural defenders and five natural midfielders, but the they talked about this kind of box that was being formed between Rodri, Fernando, Ake, and Stones. And for all of it, if you just kind of keep that solid, which I believe is a pretty solid, pretty smart, you know, do your job kind of bunch, you know, you're you're not going to be giving up, up, you know, that many goals, and you're probably going to score a bit if you're Man City. So sure, you know, I think that if they and then they rotate Gundogan into that mix, if they can rotate a third, whether it's Laporte or you improve upon Stones and sure. get in a Koulibaly, a third center back into that mix, their spine looks, you know, just just as good as it needs to be. I think. Yeah, this is a team that's obviously gearing up for a title challenge. And, you know, you see Liverpool yeah, Liverpool stumbling out the gates, albeit with two victories. Um, it's, it's, it's starting to hot up. Starting to hot up. Do you have Jim uh, Nolan? Another yeah. two, perhaps? Yeah, I got two. This one's for um, Sheffield United. Hmm. Uh, Red card pushes Sheffield United to 0-2 as they look to fulfill 2019 expectations. Yeah, it's it's a bold bad. Benjamin Button-esque journey they're going on. They're saying, they are, let's... Yeah, they're not, not looking great. Uh, it's still early. I still believe them. I still back them. I'm not ready to jump on the, uh, the uh, relegation bandwagon yet, but... They don't. They they had a little bit of magic in them last year, so mm-hmm. it's you got to keep an eye on that. And mm-hmm. see you're not they, the, you're not the bell of the ball anymore. Marcelo mm-hmm. Bielsa has just stolen all the swag juice out of Chris Wilder's cup. Yeah, and they do have Leeds United this weekend, so that's oh. I don't want to say that's a big game, but you know, you go you lose that game, you're you're zero points out of three, and then then you might have a little bit of a. They actually have a really tough run of fixtures. Coming up in, in a span of five games, they play yeah. Arsenal, Liverpool, City, and Chelsea. Yeah, so, it's a show me. It's a show me run. Yeah, they got to get on. They got to get on the board, or else we might be looking at them in, you know, maybe even even November on on maybe just like five points. You know, yeah. so we we, we got to keep an eye on them, and or I think, just their run of fixtures. Then I think I think they just got unlucky in a couple of results, but right. You know. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been the easiest start. You know, you would want to take points at, away to Villa. Um, was it Wolves in the first week? It was never going to be an easy one. But I think this game against Leeds should be dubbed the uh, don't forget what we had game, where mm. Sheffield United reminds everyone the place they had in fans' hearts last season. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. What do you, uh, would, did you see the red card in that game? I did. I did. It, red, red for you? Jeez, I mean, what, what's... That one was what, one that was on the line. What's anything anymore? It's weird when... You know something's wrong when you go back and review it and you break it down a million different ways and you could still debate it either way, clearly. Uh, for me, it's not a red. It was very early in the game. Patrick, well, I mean, this is, is going to be a prevailing theme for me and I'm going to bang this drum for the entirety of the season. I think common sense and, and, and love and respect for the sport has, has gone away from refereeing, you know? I I think now that we're so dependent on technology telling us what the result is of a certain action, 
and being 100% by the book, we stop thinking about, oh, this is very early in a game. This is a marginal, marginal last man tackle that is resulting in a red card. Why don't we give it a yellow last talking to let the game breathe? You know, and, and that and that wasn't the case ultimately. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't have an issue, I guess, with the the timing of it. I'm not, I'm not one that, uh, you know, really subscribes to the ideology of the the time or the location of the foul really matters in terms really? of whether it's a, a red or a, yeah, no, I mean, I think really? if somebody commits a red card level tackle in the fifth minute of the game, you send them off, you know, that's. Yeah, of course. But it's, it's, it's a within reason thing that I think oh, you have to have a feel for. And I remember yeah. this goes back to when VAR was introduced. We've got very different sort of philosophies about how the game should be played and, you know, yeah, but I mean, for for this one specifically, I I do I do agree with you. I think that if there's, I think that with what I've what I've come to kind of a, a learn or like you know hope to appreciate, I guess about VAR is that when there's when there's a question, let's go with the the result that's going to be the least consequential rather than whatever the yeah. call was on the field. You know, if it's like yeah. that could go either way. Let's give them a yellow and say play on. And if every single time you do that, then hopefully over the course of, you know, the whole season, you know, people get enough things that kind of just go their way in those big moments. And people know like, hey, if it's not obvious, we're not going to send the guy off. So I do agree with you in that respect. Uh, It was a it was a jostling. He put himself in a dumb situation. You have to you have to kind of at least mention that. I think, you know, he's grabbing the dude. And he is the last man in, and the ball's played over the top. It was not. It was much different from Christensen's. Christian full on rugby tackled him. Right. So it was. This was more of a jostle. So I don't, not, not, definitely not a red for me. And I agree with you on the yeah uh, on the common with, sense. With Christensen, it was that awkward moment of like you're just waiting for it to happen. You know, even the commentators were like, "All right," and in a couple minutes, he's going to give him a red card. Right. <laughs> he's just the impending sense of that happening just because it was so clear while uh, the other ref was over the monitor. Was the Aston Villa Sheffield one another monitor review? I Do don't, remember? I don't remember. No, I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. I'm struggling with that one. I, I can't remember. Well, whether yeah, it was I mean, or wasn't. it's without a doubt. You're, it's more prevalent this season. Um, I'm glad to see it. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure glad we'll to see it too. United, I'm glad to United see it too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll leave it. Okay. Um, do you want to go one more, and then I'll close with United. Brilliant! Oh, what a what a what a masterfully crafted segment we, you had we here, snaked James. that. We snaked that pretty hard. Steered the steered the ship in this direction. It was um, exactly where I wanted it to go. Thank okay. you. We're talking. Next question. We're talking uh, Everton here. This James, this is the one I'm I'm not pleased with. Um, Ancelotti, <laughs> more like his pants are not hottie. Coldest seat in the Premier League belongs to Merseyside Masterside mastermind as he sits atop <laughs> the table how is that your least proud that was the closest to the ones that i come up with where it's like semicolon hyphen second part of the paragraph you see I that like was great those. patrick yeah i don't i i for me it is a um i guess it's Coldest the easiest throne. the easiest tool to grab in the the comedian's toolbox by just saying question mark something and then just say something that Say more like something that kind of sounds like it. Uh, so I'll I'm be going back the to first, that well. I'm waiting for the that. first Borat not in one of our headlines. <laughs> That's comedy gold. I'll hit you with one of those. Yeah, I'll keep that in the back <laughs> pocket. Uh, but no, another 
Uh, impressive performance out of Everton. This was, of course, against West Brom, so you have to caveat that. But 5-2. Gotta lay five down two. the caveat. 5-2 after yeah. a 1-0 win against Spurs. So Another, yeah. uh, again, uh, Calvert-Lewin, probably man of the match with the hat trick, but another James Rodriguez masterclass. And a goal to show for it. Yeah, good game from him. I thought Allen was great. I've, Allen. I, I like what they've, they've done over there. I really do. I really do like what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I think that they've got a they've if got a the, proper uh, proper squad. If the let them eat crow segment still existed, I think that was like a season one. Try it out for one episode. Um, we would have we would have Nigel Burton on to uh, just apologize for his for his Everton take because I don't see them anywhere close to the bottom of the table this season. Bottom of the table, no. I'd still like to see how they. Um, you know they they took the game to Spurs, so let's see if how they line up against other other top sides. If they're mm-hmm. taking the game just as equally to Arsenal and Manchester United and Chelsea, I don't think they'll be doing it to either Liverpool or City. But if they're doing it to those other clubs, then yeah, by all means, I'm excited to see what they have. They, I do yeah. still think they're a cut a cut below. They will level out. I feel like they're similar to Leeds in the. Uh... You know, when you run the mile in high school, you've got the tryhards who like sprint off the line and then they find their level. Um, right. I, I think that's what's happening right now with Everton and Leeds. By no means are they going to sharply regress, but they'll find their level. But for right now, I'm just enjoying the moment. Ancelotti hugging James like a long lost son. It's great to see. Mm. It is. It is. It's fun. Again, more teams that are competing at that level, better for the league, and more parity. Makes me, makes me happy overall. All of a sudden, Pickford is just uh, off the hot seat just for being in a good team. He gave up two goals to West Brom. Correct. That is correct. Let's leave it there. What's your last one? <laughs> oh, geez, Patrick. This is this is Man United. It, it, it comes with a rant, but I think uh, I think fans are entitled to just go ahead and skip through the next five minutes if they're not interested in the take or you know don't love just seeing a man upset. Or you could go ahead and just skip right through to the end of the episode and just give us that. I listened uh, metric. It's the choice is yours. But here's my Manchester United one. Man United caught monitoring the situation as Crystal Palace's Eagles swoop into a surprise victory at Old Trafford. That's like the shortest you'll get from me. Yeah, that seems like you have a lot more to say. <laughs> I, um, I'll I really... my time. Yeah. <laughs> The floor is yours. Yeah. No, I, I, I want to keep it short and sweet. Uh, I honestly, Patrick, I think we should get on the on the mic shortly after result. Because I mean, when we play COD together, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve, and and there's some good moments. But I, I, after a couple sleeps, a couple snoozes, I really cool back down and find my center. So this isn't gonna be, it's not gonna be YouTube worthy levels of panic and frustration. But here we are. Uh, well, this is what I call a little fun segment. It's called the reverse funnel of blame. And you can look at it this way for United. I think you can look at VAR refereeing as the most minute issue you had with the game and why we lost. You could talk about Ali and the players and his team selection and how he went out there. Or you could look at the real problem, which is the way we've recruited this summer, who we've been prioritizing, um, I think Patrice ever said it best. I don't know if you saw that. He did an open sort of Instagram, I need to speak out because I hate watching what's happening. And he said it feels like deja vu. Um, just because what, I, what I'll say is 
when we did our very first pods, it was, I think, right after Mourinho's second place season, and he wasn't backed in the summer, and we got Fred, you know, no disrespect to Fred, but he was the only guy who came in. And I remember you and I sat here, first game of the season, we beat Leicester, and we had a conversation about things are okay as long as you keep winning, and then it's going to go real bad. So we're doing that in a little bit of reverse. And I hope after this loss to crystal palace, it's, it's more course correcting versus, uh, versus going all the way down. But it, it just feels like the same thing is happening over and over again, which is disheartening for a fan. Um, I, I want to let, let's bring you in on it. Cause I want to talk about the VAR and the refereeing. Um, I credited VA VAR in our last pod as a whole. And I, I knew it would come back to bite us as a pod, but I didn't think it would come back to bite me. So, mm. so spectacularly, you said this uh, last weekend, and I think it's great. I feel like when you're defending now in the box, you are going full Carlos Puyol, the, the Puyol school of defending. You have to have your hands tied behind your back when you're defending in the box as a defender, because the handball rule is, is really stacked, uh, stacked against them. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. I want to, I you know, see what your take is on the Lindelof situation because something similar happened to Gabrielle. Yeah, so I don't know. They apparently changed the rule. Which Between they did the games? The, which was, they did the year prior, so it wouldn't shock me if they've, you know, they, they changed it between the games. I do think they are operating on a... <laughs> they changed uh, it between United and Arsenal, the next between, kickoff? Yeah, between season's pace, but maybe they're doing it in between in between games. Um, so I don't I can't really speak to whether or not that was a penalty. I don't know the new rule yet. I'll tell you, based on what I knew the rule to be last season, it's never a pen for me. Uh, but, you know, we're not – I'm, I'm certainly not going to lose any sleep over United losing a VAR decision. <laughs> I think they've gotten plenty to go the other way, and I think every team gets hard done by some, and th- that means that you're getting some ones that you shouldn't have either. So I don't think that's the end of the world. Uh, the, the reaction to De Gea on his line after um, – him making the save, I thought was was just an absolute joke. Uh, I don't know, you know, what they're looking for there. I, I I could I honestly couldn't tell you if he was even off the line. And you know, given the disadvantage the keepers already have on the goal on the on the penalty kick, I think yeah. if you can't tell with the naked eye, let's call it. You know, we don't need to getting out the the rulers and protractors for this one. Yeah. So that one. Well, that that's one, what I'm saying. That one bugged yeah. me. And um, well, no, I was I, I thought he went over to the. The monitor for that. No, he went over to the monitor for the handball. And so, he. I mean, I, I I have to give him the benefit of the doubt on the new rule. Something we should have looked up before recording, probably. But if... No, if I the did. Rule's I just rule, decided to keep it to myself. Got know, it right. Okay, fair enough. Yep. Yeah, for my knowledge only. Okay, well then, yeah, there you have it, folks. <laughs> Look it up yourselves. <laughs> no, it's funny with the, the De Gea PK off the line. First of all, I had a weird vibe, again, going back to 2018. We actually we beat Leicester that season, but I came into this game with a weird vibe, and it was matched with actually working on Saturday. I was glued to a video call the entirety of Saturday, and I had my two screens set up, and I wasn't, you know, Palace score goal, uh, Palace score the second goal after the, or sorry, uh, we go into the PK for them to score their second goal. Up until that point, I was very calm and collected. I was a cool cucumber. When they pinned De Gea for the the save that he made, it was going to be his first save, PK save. He's atrocious at penalties since 2015 or 16. When they ping him for that and they, they have uh, Jordan Ayew retake it, 
I'm going camera off on the uh I'm going camera off on the work feed and I'm having myself a moment. Yeah. <laughs> I had I, mean, to, I had to. to have a I had to have a few choice words with the ceiling. Um but yeah, I I don't I was really hoping that just the cynic in me that Allison in the Liverpool game and Emmy Martinez, uh shout out former Arsenal player Emmy Martinez mm. in the Villa game would would get um oh would get let off the hook for doing the same thing. They both had their foot on the line. So I don't know what kind of leg I have to stand on here. De Gea, it was off the line marginally, but again, you're just slaves to technology and you're not, you know, you know, you're not respecting the game, I would say. Um, But here's what I'll say. I'm going to be on it like a hawk for goalkeepers being on the line for the rest of the season. That's going to be my one sole job out here. You know, I think this is one of those one of those rules that it might be frustrating in the short term, but if they it's so damn black and white whether you're on the line or off the line, and if they do get it right at a high consistency, like the way that they with a high consistency get, you know, whether or not the ball has fully crossed the line right or not, mm-hmm. with the lone exception I think last season, if they get that right, then I think in a couple of years no one's really going to be saying much about it. It's like you know the rules, you know how it strict mm-hmm. it is and it is what it is and there's always going to be some ones that kind of come off the top it, it you know I, I wish you know they, yeah. they they would kind of let some of that stuff slide but you know if it's i think for the sake of clarity it gets it gets us past uh you know past some bad bad decisions but again, i miss I, the I days like out of the outside of kind of i think what the spirit of that rule is meant to prohibit mm-hmm. i miss the days pre-var late 2000s early mid 2010s where one in a hundred of goalkeeper grievances would get called, get oh, called yeah. back. Like you just catch Mike Dean on a day and he's like, right. you were off the line. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's the rule, but it's like, it's like tugging shirts in the box for a corner. That's like catch a ref on a bad day and you're getting called. Yep. Yeah. And I actually did just um, look up the rule and they have, just defined it as, or the handball rule rather, um, incidents where the ball hits above the bottom of the armpit should not be penalized. Mm, mm, okay. So it's basically your sleeve doesn't seem to have, I don't know if this works in conjunction with the uh, unnatural position rule or if they got away with the unnatural mm-hmm. position rule altogether. So if so, it's pretty clear. But well, yeah, I don't know. I don't if, know. Uh, if the Premier if the Premier League wants to or a team in the Premier League wants to commission Prem de la Prem to make exclusive licensed three quarter sleeve shirts, mm-hmm. we are we are here for that. Right. We will make yeah, that it, sleeve look extra long and droopy. Let me ask you this on the United front. Do you think that they are going to get or are going to recover form before they sign anyone else? So you mean in the next couple of weeks? Or I'm saying if they don't sign anyone else, do you think you're due for you're 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 you're, you're going to be in trouble until until January? Yeah, just kind of like same type of play, same weak performances. Yeah, I do think we're going to be in trouble in January uh, because Patrick, I think what has been unearthed here, and, and again, I, I go back to this deja vu thing that ever brought up and I've just been doing a lot of introspective shit over these past few days thinking about the team and I think we're a club that is built to challenge for Champions League 
and make Champions League. It's not to push on and have ambitions of uh, that would get you further, further on. So I think we're, you know, coronavirus aside, I don't even want to get into that argument about, you know, value in the market and protecting the team and um, club finances, but we're consistently showing that we are satisfied battling it out for the top four. So when you say regain form, think about what last season was. Yes, 66 points was a historic low um, that would earn you third place, but we would we would win some pretty fantastic games. We would win a few games on the trot. Obviously, one of the most amazing runs we've had, by the way, um, sorry, one of the most amazing runs we've had was post-quarantine, and this was Ollie's first league loss since January. So we're capable of regaining form. Our, our best 11 is a strong 11, and they by no means should have lost that game and that's not that's not recruitment's fault you know i think players and ollie have to look themselves in the mirror for losing at home to crystal palace but Mm -hmm. it's not a team that has the depth to compete at a high level at good form over the entirety of a season to answer your question yes I, i i'd agree with that largely i mean i think the things that i picked up on were you know, I liked Ollie calling out the board, and he—I uh, I yeah. don't know if he called anyone out by name, but I liked that. It was refreshing for him just to kind of make no, you know, leave no no doubt as to what he meant. Uh, I I think he needs a little bit of accountability when you know he says something like the team. This isn't you know the level, but when you just take a three nothing or three one loss to to Palace, I think the the level of this current United team should be beating Palace you know nine times out of ten. Uh, so maybe it's that one time, but. You know that's that's one thing, uh, and I I did notice just I I saw this a lot with Arsenal under you know in the later years of of Wenger, even under Emery. You know it's not thankfully something we've seen really under uh, under Arteta, but there's at least in the last few times I've seen him, there's been kind of like this defeatist attitude. You know the the goal that um, Zaha scored, the third one. Um, you know. Shaw gave De Gea the kind of raise his arm at him. De Gea raised it right back, you know, after De Gea didn't dive at the ball. I don't think De Gea could have done a thing to save it. No. Uh, but I think that they, they kind of I thought of De Gea this... had a good game. <laughs> in, a, good. in a very strange yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's pretty good. Of, yeah, yeah I, I don't want to crown him for the penalty. It was one of the worst penalty shots I've ever seen yeah, taken. You're saying, you're saying sort of place blame it does, culture yeah, it seems like when a, you're down, yeah. you're down. I'll tell you what, Patrick. I, I think we lost that game. For three different reasons. One, all these team selections. McTominay is not a holding midfielder. I don't know why Mason Greenwood came in off the bench. I think that might have been a fuck you to Gareth Southgate. Like, look, look what you've made me do. Mm. Um, I have to start Greenwood on the bench. When Bissaka, I think, just came back from uh, whatever his quarantine thing was. Um, but you're going into a game with, with Fosu Mensa and Daniel, ja- uh, Daniel James, who's, by the way, the scapegoat of United when he's being played out of position and is a, is a young, young player. That's your right wing. Scott McTominay is your holding midfield, and, and you've given Lindelof a, a lot of chances to prove himself. So that's where Ollie needs to look himself in the mirror. Um, the players were woefully, woefully not up to game speed. Palace, I mean, again, no excuses. Palace had match week one. We didn't. We've only trained together a handful of times. But here's what I think was the most important. And it's not, it's not an excuse. It's, I think, a bit of a player mentality thing that happens. We 
earned third place with a crazy run. We go into a summer of expectation and optimism and hope, and we get let down. You know, no disrespect to Donnie Vanderbeek. He was an amazing pickup, but he was our probably third or fourth prioritized position. The problem right. with Vanderbeek is you're going to have to drop Pogba or Fernandez if you want to start him. You know, like that is not the depth there is amazing and it's great, but it's not the priority. And so when you don't get backed by the board, it shows up in the team and I want to move on. I don't want to make this a long thing and it would have been a lot more unwieldy if it was right after the game. But when you don't get backed by the board, the players feel it, you know, they follow social media, they have expectations. They think they're going to meet up with their buddy Sancho. It doesn't happen. The season starts. I think if we made a marquee signing, the, the players would have been buzzing and it would have been, our season would have been underway. Bang on. Right. So, yeah, I think that's what to a degree happened with Spurs. So I think that it, it won't take much, I think to write the ship, but I think something does need to happen at a higher level. I don't think we've, I don't remember the last time we lost, straight up lost our opening game. And it's a weird place to be. It's a bit of no man's land. Like your season hasn't started yet because you literally have no points. Everyone else's has though. Yeah, correct. They're they're back from Singapore. (laughs) All right, let's move it on. Let's move it on, Patrick. Thank you for indulging me. Uh, Fans, let's insert the Dale from Pitbull to signify that this is where you come back into the episode. How would they know where to find that? Don't, don't, no, stop. Also, okay. I think you're underestimating how much people like to hear about United's misery. I think I want to go back to being this. hated. Right now, I don't think I we're think hated still, enough. I think you're still hated, but like Maybe. people take joy in it that you're not like. I don't think, I think people like are when United catches a good run of form, everyone else is like fuck more than they are with other teams. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. I think yeah. that like people want United to stay away from the title more than they do other teams. Right. I guess it's just less. There's less excitement around a United loss because it's more and more common. Anyway. Mm. Um, all right, Patrick, let's briefly touch on a little bit, leave it. It's a little bit, leave it. Because I think you have a little bit of crow that you need to eat. Well, I think you have to eat this crow too. So I'm not I'll, eating any crow. It's served for two. I'm not uh, eating said, any crow. This is, a, this is a dinner for one. You're getting a sad cuck kid's menu and you're getting faced out towards the water. I... Yeah, I'm going to drop my take that De Gea was not going to Oh, you're going to drop it. The opener. It's uh, been dropped. That's been dropped. That's not, that's not me. Uh, then... It was dropped on your head like a cartoon anvil. Yes. Uh, I will say he should have been dropped, clearly. Uh, gave up a penalty. Uh, disgracefully <laughs> came off his line. Um, <laughs> Henderson plays, they get points. So The spin zone. You did talk about the, the team selection. I think that's the first place to start. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I didn't win, though I should have. Um, I'm not okay. dropping my Mason What a way to take. walk out of that one. I still think, I know he started both of the games so far, but Pulisic posted today a picture of him and Zayich back in training. I think he's going to get dropped real quick mm-hmm. when those mm-hmm. two come back, and we'll see how long it rides out. Yeah. Yeah, like Mason Mount just hits it with a like. Um, Patrick, this brings me on to a new sub-seggy that I'm calling Where We Dropping? And the way this works is we're going to look at these little bit leave it takes. Mason Mount, you said he's not going to start more than 10 Premier League games this season. He is two for two. I'm going to mm-hmm. ask you, where are we dropping? Where, where's that take going to get dropped, realistically? Realistically, when... 
I honestly think that if Pulisic, Zayic, Havertz, and Werner are all healthy, he will come. He he will start no more than five games in a season. I honestly believe that they're not all healthy. So I would say if he gets if he gets to five games before those guys are healthy and the starters in front of him, I will drop mm-hmm. it. Okay. If he starts five games before those guys get healthy, I'll drop okay. it. Okay. Yeah, that, that's that feels insurmountable at that point. Right. Yeah, because you'll get rotated in. You got mm-hmm. Champions League. He'll, yeah. He's going to get his minutes. Yeah. Uh, so I thought he was going to start very very few. And then, you know, I'm, I'm not going to amend the take okay. as, as as that would be, uh, you know, lacking dignity, which is not something I do in this segment. So, yeah, we'll see how we'll see how it pans out. I will drop it's it. Unbecoming. It's unbecoming. I promise you this, James. I will. I promise. I promise to drop this this take before he reaches the tenth game. Okay. If he is to reach that game. So if he's sitting on nine halfway through the season. It's gonna go, maybe, but maybe it won't start. I'll have to. It'll have to. I'll have to get a feel for it. We'll see. We'll I have see. to see it when we're yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, Patrick, I've got one uh, take in the crock pot, and it's Dean Smith will be the first coach to get fired this season, and he is off to a flying start with a victory. So I can't have that be the only thing that's in my repertoire right now, my toolkit. So I'm adding another one in. I'm adding another one in. This is for our boy who's back. Gareth Bale, he will score in a North London derby this season. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. a big game player. I can see it happening. He's done it before, and I think he'll do it again. You know, like he'll have a couple like uh, champagne spurs moments in this. I guess it's a loan, technically. Um, yeah, Madrid's it, paying like $13 million of his wages. Yeah, I thought of this when I saw Zaha scoring against United. I'm surprised that was the first time it's happened because he is so motivated to score against United. And it's not like Bale's a former Arsenal player, but you just have that feeling. And I wonder if you get that when, when Bale played for Spurs because he was, he was that guy. No, not really. I wasn't like the most earnest fan of the Premier League at that time. So yeah, Gareth Bale doesn't Fair. really strike Fair fear into me. Yeah, that's why you, yeah, you, don't have the, you don't have the early 2010s uh, Gareth Bale respect. So no, no. Though Thomas Rizicki won a game single handedly at White Hart Lane while Bale was there, so he can't be that good. So you can cherry pick those. I'm sure that was on uh, Arsenal's Instagram Thursdays. No, that one's been a while. I haven't seen that one in a while. That one was after an absolute dog shit run by Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, <laughs> where he ran 50 yards and just straight into a, a Spurs defender, and then the ball bounced out of the box, and Riziki just struck it. It's just an absolute wonder strike. Clinical. Yeah, but yeah, no no beautiful arsenal in that buildup, for sure. Same old arsenal, always cheating. Mm. Sing it louder. You love to be hated. A freak. Hate us, because <laughs> they ain't us. <laughs> Let's get your freak on paper. My paper. freak of the week... Where is this? Let's go to Luis Suarez. So outside of the Premier League, uh-huh. uh, so this is kind of a little, little meta culture, little freak of the week. Okay. Uh, so he is signing with is Atletico it? Madrid. This is a freak, but it's also okay. men of culture within a freak. Uh, okay. Inception segments as you as you want. Uh So exactly, I couldn't have said it better myself. So Luis Suarez was set to go to Juventus. That fell through. Then he was set to go to Atletico. Looked like that was falling through. We got a here we go on his move to Atletico. So that is coming. 
Barcelona let him out of his contract, didn't even try mm-hmm. to transfer him, and he sure. went to their biggest rival. So that's going to be sure. fun to watch. But Whoa. What? Hot seat Real Madrid. <laughs> Barca's biggest rival is Atletico. Well, maybe not biggest rival, but you know what I mean. Like he's yeah, going I, to yeah. one of the two teams. I know. Teams you were on a roll to. there. You were on a roll yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also a little bit spin zone segment. So three segments in one. The freak reason. So apparently, I read two different headlines, so I don't know which one is true. He either I think failed, I know where this is going. Failed an Italian test, uh-huh. or he forged a document which basically blocked his own move to Italy. So a little bit of reckless journalism because I don't know what exactly happened. I also uh, read the that. article. So I think I can. The article I tried to story. click on was in Italian. So mm. I don't know what else to do there. Uh, so that's what we're at. He's getting my freak for basically blocking his own move to Juventus to go to Atletico Madrid. I wonder if it's it strategic or not. Was it the Gazzetto dello Sporto? Which is... Sounds right. It's real, but I also like to think that is what an American would say Italy's top <laughs> newspaper is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fabrizio probably worked for Gazzetto dello Sporto on his... On his Before on he went big up. time. Solo. I love that. That's a good one. Patrick... My Freak of the Week is Man City's kit designer, or I guess Puma, for the atrocity that is their third kit that made its debut against Wolves. Now, I'm going to post it on the gram so everyone can see it. You might want to pull it up right now. But white uh, kit? It's described on the Mega Store as Whisper White, and it's got, like, feathers and, and like, plumes kind of swirling around it. It's got, like, a, I guess, like an Arabic oh, vibe see. to it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's got the textures akin to that of nurse's scrubs or the bed sheets you would find in the guest room of your nan's place. And it's... This is classic. This is classic blanket blanket material. It's hard on the eyes. But yeah, you know what I mean, right? That um, That is like a baby swaddle blanket. So here's the thing. I didn't even notice that on the broadcast. I thought their white kits looked fly. Looking up close and personal, these are ugly, so you'd never buy them. That's kind of what I think about the Arsenal third kit. Looks like inverted beef when you look at it up close and personal. <laughs> but it looks fly on TV. So I'm glad that I saw this one up close because I was almost convinced myself to buy that Arsenal kit. But I don't. That I don't could think very I... well be the way the colors describe too on their website, given the way that Whisper White exists. Arsenal's is just uh, inverted beef. Inverted beef. Take a look at it and tell me it's not inverted beef. Though I will say Has science it does gone look too far. It looks hard with the burgundy, like those dark, those dark red shorts. I do like yeah. the, that okay. that kit on the TV. Not for me. Not for me. It, no. You see it on Hector Bellerin, and you're like, I think I got a shot. Jeez, this that guy could wear anything. <laughs> well, Patrick, I got a men of culture in a men of culture, so it's not Inception, and it's how the segment's made. Uh, David Moyes and two senior players at West Ham contracted coronavirus. So... What do we do now? That's something you're you're gonna not want when you're trying to survive relegation. That's I mean, that's pretty much it. I don't know if you have any commentary on the matter. No, I mean they just played Arsenal, so hopefully it doesn't spread too crazy. But yeah, this is it was it's bound to happen, right? You're gonna have because you're not doing a bubble. What's that like, Mourinho quote? If I talk, I get in trouble. Yeah, if if I speak, I am in trouble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> This was like after a VAR decision. He says, uh, you, know who, you know who I'm talking about, uh, but if I speak, say who I am in trouble. Then he, like, mm-hmm. Kind of like that other quote he had where, um, I apologize because I was rude, but I was rude to an idiot. 
So yeah. it's my fault to be rude, but the man was an idiot. That's how a middle schooler apologizes after a uh, playground fight, and the teacher's making him apologize. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's watching watching pundits shit on him <laughs> on camera, and then turns the TV off just to say fuck off. This man's yeah. ego and flair for the dramatic yeah. is unmatched, unmatched. I do have a men of culture for you though, of the men of culture variety uh, that will turn into a little bit. Leave it, maybe. Uh, so a few days ago. <laughs> I'm getting this quote straight off some tweet on Reddit. I uh, don't have the source, but few few days ago, uh, Banfield confirmed that uh, since Everton did not pay a transfer fee for James, they were not getting any percent of money as they had an add-on clause. James heard all of this and decided uh, to donate a uh, part of his salary to the club that saw him give him his first steps in order to improve the youth academy. Almost three hundred thousand euro he sent over. What a guy! And, yeah, that's uh, awesome for him. Uh, I, I assume that was just like his academy club in Colombia. I don't. Argentinians know are ride or die for their hometowns or like first clubs. Like I saw, you saw that with Tevez. What like, about um? What about you know, Colombians? Yeah, well, that's actually where I was going with that. You know, you start with Argentinians from the same continent, and then you bring it to Colombians. So I think it applies to South Americans in general, except Bolivians. Well, that's um, James Burton's opinion. Uh, I'm staying out of that one. And I also might be looking like the asshat here because it looks like Banfield is actually an Argentinian club. So, spoke too soon. I think we all learned something here today, James. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what I was going to say before you interrupted me was uh, Carlos Tevez notoriously had just no sort of longstanding respect for like the rules of playing for United or playing for City. He was always kind of a, a lone ranger. Um, who took it? Who took plane for what it was? But he always had this like deep rooted connection to Boca Juniors. Um, you know, his first he just club. went back. Yeah, and he's he's been back there as as captain. And anyway, like, there's that ride or die connection. You know, don't forget. Where I love you're from. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, okay, what was the little bit leave it that was going to be a, a sidecar? Um, I just said that. I don't. I thought I was hoping maybe I'd come up with one by the end of it. Um, actually, I do have one that's Everton related. I thought about doing it, thought about not doing it. And since I'm here, I'm going to do it. Smash uh, it. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is going to win the Golden Boot. I was high on this guy coming into the season. That is Obviously, ridiculous. Coming off a hat trick. I think he is one of, I think he is second to Harry Kane in terms of English strikers in the Premier League. And he's going to have a hell of a season. He's got a that team set up around him. profoundly ridiculous. We'll see. We will see. Again, this right. is this is this right. is not. Add it to the list. It. Add it to the list. He's got four goals already. So I mean, he's you call it ridiculous, but he's the one on pace for seventy six. Not me. <laughs> Number crunch. Okay, Pat, I got a trivia for you. It's been a while. It's been a while. Dust off the old brain. Get the cobwebs out. You ready? Yikes. We talked about this earlier, and I think you're gonna. I I really really. I don't know how to rate your Premier League knowledge. I think the answer would scare me. So I, I think you'll get this. Kepa's the most expensive goalkeeper in the world, coming to Chelsea from Athletic Bilbao at a price of 71 million pounds in 2018. Five of the top 10 most expensive goalkeeper transfers are players who play in the Premier League. Can you name those five? Other than Kepa. Five of the top 10? Mm-hmm. And they currently play in the Premier League? Mm-hmm. Allison's got to be up there. He was like 60 or something. Number two, 65. I probably... 
probably De Gea, even though that was a few years ago and he's been there a while. So I'll say De Gea. De Gea's number 10. So yeah, he squeaks on the list. 2011, the 18.9 million. Oh, 18.9? Yeah. Okay, that means Leno's on the list. Sure enough. Does that put Does that put Emmy Martinez on the list? No. He just got sold for 21. Well, this article came out before that. Okay. <laughs> so, I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so I got uh so Keppa Wrong. Maurice is probably in the mix, maybe. I'm just trying to go through it now. I could see Pickford being expensive. I don't know how long he's been in Everton. He feels like he's been there forever. I'll go with um Yeah, I'll go with Larice. Larice is incorrect. Because he transferred even before De Gea. So he's That's been at Spurs for a while. He's been there forever. Yeah. So maybe Ederson then, yeah. Ederson's probably up there. They spend money like crazy. Ederson's number four. Thirty-four number four. million. So Leno, De Gea, Allison, Ederson. One more. Maybe Rui Patricio? Uh, no. You mentioned was him, it? Jordan, Jordan Pickford. It was Pickford. Okay. Uh-huh. From Sunderland. It's that, it's, it's that British price. Uh, 25 yeah. Million. What was he, like yeah. 30 or something? 25 mil. Yeah. Yeah. I figured he'd be the only one kind of in that, yeah. that age bracket and tier. Like all uh, your, Thib- Thibaut ben Courtois. Ben probably not going that much. Yeah, Courtois yeah you're not getting Ben way. Foster on this list. Uh-uh. Thibaut Courtois was number three. Uh, Buffon from 2001. PSG, right? oh, no, no, no. When Whoa. he went to Juventus in 2001, uh, 33 shit. million. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. I mean, they got their money's worth, but damn. Sure enough. Which brings me to this guy, Francesco Toldo. I don't know if you've, you've even heard of him. Yeah. Okay. So this guy is by all means a world-class Italian goalkeeper who just got the career cuck from Buffon. He played behind him his entire international career, second fiddle in the Serie A. Like, I think like diehard football fans know about him, but he has one of the saddest careers because he was always just second fiddle. In the national team. Yeah, national team. 28 total caps for a goalkeeper who's like world-class. Damn. That's going to be like Ter Stegen because his career just is like a couple years behind Neuer. Could be. Um, and then who else? Oh yeah, Neuer's on this list. Yeah, so that's the top ten. Yeah. Nice. Uh, all right. Let's do goal of the week, and then you can round it out with your degenerate district. Okay. Um, I'll go first. Mine goal. Okay, so I got one. Now go ahead. (laughs) I thought there was a lot of scrappy goals this week. I didn't think there were too many great ones. I think it was a record-setting week for goals, but it was very hard for me to pick one. Not like there were so many good ones, but just yeah, none really stood out. You had to pluck one out of the bunch. Yeah, so I'm going with um, Mateus Pereira, who scored uh-huh. a gorgeous free kick goal in a 5-2 loss. So this goal will be forgotten, uh, but it was <laughs> a really, really great, great free kick goal. Um, maybe close to 30 yards out, put it right in the top corner. Um, beating, of course, Pickford, uh, who's, mm-hmm. you know, if you're shooting from 30 yards out, who better? Well, maybe Keppa, but who's second better than Jordan but Pickford? But who's second better? Yeah, yeah, this goal is going to come nowhere near the goal of the season contender. Correct. Uh, it, it was mine as well, so I'll go ahead and move to my runner-up just for cheekiness. Uh, Daniel Potent's nutmegging Kevin De Bruyne, who is known for being second to Jordan Henderson in the Player of the Year awards. And uh, he nutmegged De Bruyne to set up Jimenez for the pull a goal back 
Wolves against City, which was Isn't just... Isn't it refreshing to have a striker who's so good out of the air, like Jimenez? Yeah. Yeah, he it's a is, nice trait. Yeah, it's a fun thing to watch, too, because just at the end of the day, you just float the thing in there, and then who knows what he's going to do. You know, I think mm. that Wolves can... Yeah, Lacazette-esque. Mmm, very, very astute observation. Lacazette's first and last goal scored with Arsenal have been headers, so... Say what you will about that man, his big old forehead. He's knocking those in. That celebration's got to go. Oh, I can't get enough. It's I got can't get enough. to go. It's, the it's best, time to go. <laughs> the best bromance in the league. <laughs> I'm tired, Robbie. I'm tired. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, Give me that right. phone, blood. <laughs> Take us home. Okay. All right. So, coming off a great week. Locks. Was it great? Was it great? Yeah. Yeah, I had my uh, my lock hit. The seven way parlay was foiled by United, but the remind you know, the us what the lock was, just so that people can be familiar. Spurs to win at plus one thirty, and they won five to two. What a so, snack! A nice, An absolute launchable. A nice, nice easy one. I'm glad that that one was at four thirty in the morning. I could wake up to five two because they were down. Uh, you know, pretty much the whole first half. Uh, right. All those goals came towards the end of that game. But in any case, got that. Uh, also had. Everton, uh, Arsenal winning, both pretty good good odds on those ones. Um, at Fulham plus one, so that pushed the uh, the Wolves flyer, which we knew was a flyer, did not hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, my lock of the week this week, James. I'm interested to see, see what you think about this. I don't think there's any great odds out there. I mean, there's some minus two fifties, minus three hundreds. Take them if you want. But I'm actually going to lock Aston Villa over Fulham at plus one fifty. I am going to ride the team against Fulham until proven otherwise. And I think Villa's actually got a good run of form in them right now. So that is my lock of the week. Villa over Fulham plus 150. Plus 150? Yeah. I like that. I like that. Fulham, uh, you know, flattered to deceive against Leeds. They, They were, Leeds let them be in the game. You know, I think Leeds is going like, to let a lot of you. teams be in the game. Yeah, I think they're going to lead the yeah. league in goals allowed. <laughs> um, so I like that. I like that. I think Fulham and West Brom are bona fide relegation candidates. Signs yep. he'll deliver, and Villa can pick one up on him. I like it. Yeah, You're, You'll find both of those in my croc. I think I found a nice formula for the croc, James, which is a, a, a parlay, a, you know, a, a little appetizer for the folks uh, this one, I believe, is a one, two, three, four. Yes, another five way. So going back to my roots at a uh, plus twelve hundred. So twelve to one odds here. Uh, and James, we're going to do the same, the same yes, meh, or no uh, formula throughout on this one. So first up, Everton over Palace. I'm going to be more critical. I'm going to be more critical. Uh, Everton to win. Everton to win over Palace. Yeah, I'm not taking draws, or maybe, maybe I will one day when I'm feeling wild. But right now, I'm not. I'll allow that. Okay, Chelsea I'm over West Brom. Not 100% smash it, free real estate, but I'll allow it. Chelsea over West Brom, yes. Uh, Spurs over Newcastle? Yes. City over Leicester? Yes. And then Villa over Fulham? Okay, so it really is Palace Everton in that mm-hmm. one. There's always the yeah. one. There's always the one. Yeah, yeah and you let and off Palace's, with it. Yeah, and Palace's, well, it's just kind of in order of of games played but uh palace is also this is a battle of we're, we were we were joking about the clash of the titans between arsenal and 
in Liverpool, but if somebody comes out of this game with all three points, they'll be nine points through three games. Yeah, Everton I was about Dallas. to say, you want to know, part of me does want to see Roy Hodgson just sit at the top of the table, even if it's for a week. I just want to see his face up there. But you I know what my logic was at the here? top. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. My logic here was, I was about to shoot that down and say, well, Everton's got to come back to earth eventually. And I'm like, well, hang on a second. Palace has got to come back down to earth eventually. Right, yeah. It's a no. it's a good it's a it's an interesting game because I think both of these teams have impressed though it's just two match weeks in you don't really know what's going on yeah. so nil nil draw incoming yeah exactly exactly I'm staying away from overs James they've not been kind to me uh, and then just a few a few um, a few bets that I like out there um, United is minus one thirty five against Brighton I like that for a bounce back game Arsenal plus one so Arsenal to lose by one and push draw are better to win. Is it plus 110 against Liverpool? They like did that. take three points off Liverpool in each like of their last that. two meetings. So, you know, to push on a, on a one-goal loss is pretty good. And then both the uh, both the spreads look decent for Chelsea and Man City at minus one against their respective uh, opponents. So take those if you like them. And James, I do have a final segment for you. I told you I had a new one. Uh, I didn't tell you what this segment was, but I want you to be prepared. Uh, so this segment is called Quote of the Week. Uh, and I'm going to read you one from Andy Robertson recalling his awkward stare-off with the Watford mascot. He said, what would you say to an adult dressed as an insect anyway? <laughs> what did he go with? No, I mean, you know, that was just his quote. I, I guess saying, he was didn't really have anything say? to say, so he was asking the reporter. How demeaning. Yeah. How demeaning. All right, James, what's your quote of the week? Oh, so my quote of the week, it comes from... Uh... Hmm. Corinthians chapter 12. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 Working on it. So quote maybe should have had you prepare for this one. Quote of the week. Quote of the week. Oh, come on, James. God damn it. They're all fucking waiting. I was hoping you were just going to make one up. They're all waiting. Patrick, I'm having some technical difficulties over on this side. Uh, I had said what my quote of the week was. It, I don't know if it came through. Gotcha. I Can will you, just please I'll put something in. Yeah, I'll make sure. I'll, I'm sure we'll be able to fix it in post. Actually, you know what? Before I tell you what the quote of the week is, I want you guys to hear it. Here you go, folks. <laughs> I prefer not to comment because it's not. Uh, if you want to speak about big decisions, we don't. You don't speak just about. Um, about the red cards. I prefer really not to um, not to speak. If I speak, I am in, in big trouble. In big trouble. And I don't want to be in big trouble. How was that? It was great. It was a real funny quote. Fantastic. I always admired him. <laughs> Actually convicted felon. Really? Yeah. So I don't know if you want to take that back. Yeah. Adam Johnson quote incoming. <laughs> Folks, thanks for listening. That is match week two in the books. Hopefully bigger and better things on the horizon for the Red Devils and for Prem de la Prem. Keep on being you and coming back with eager eyes and ears to listen to Prem de la Prem. We will see you next week. On behalf of the hapless Patrick Crowley, this is James Burton signing off. What's up, Prem heads? Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts at Prem de la Prem, a Premier League podcast, and smash that subscribe button for all other interviews, segments, and hot takes that you can handle. You can also find us on Instagram for some fire content at Prem de la Prem podcast. No spaces, no punctuation, just like life.